Old Radio. Old Radio. Old Radio. Old Radio. Old Radio. Comedy Podcast. Welcome to episode 84 of season 4 of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. Eddie Cantor's radio career spanned over 30 years, beginning in 1922 when he sang a number on the Newark, New Jersey station WDY radio program on February 3rd. He moved on to Fleischmann's East Hour, then to the Chase and Sanborn Hour, replacing Maurice Chevalier, both in the 1930s, then Time to Smile in the 40s. This was followed by the Pabst Blue Ribbon Show, and then Take It or Leave It, then later the show Ask Eddie Cantor. He was also a prolific recorder of music, and had an extensive career in both film and television. Comedian Stan Freeberg was famous for his comedy recordings in the 50s, and his voicing animations in the 40s and the 50s. He also appeared in television and film in supporting roles, and had his own brief radio program, The Stan Freeberg Show, which ran for several episodes as a summer replacement for the Jack Benny program. Because Freeberg refused to allow alcohol or tobacco sponsors, his show was canceled despite the fact that it was offered its own time slot in the fall of that year. In lieu of real commercials, Freeberg mocked advertisers by making up his own ads for non-existent products like huffed grass and food. Freeberg was also known for being combative with network executives, which didn't win him any points in the industry. He later went on to start his own L.A.-based advertising agency, which was extremely successful and produced ads for radio and television. He died on April 7, 2015, aged 88. Now sit back and enjoy the October 30th, 1940 broadcast of the It's Time to Smile show with Eddie Cantor and the July 28th, 1957 broadcast of the Stan Freebird show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of Ipana for the Smile of Beauty and Sal Hepatica for the Smile of Health present It's Time to Smile with Eddie Cantor. Time to smile, where's that grin? Put a dimple in your chin. Better times are coming, things are humming. Time to smile. What the world is after now is a lot of laughter now. There's no room for gloom, for gloom is out of style. And it's time, 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 time to smile. And here he is, Eddie Cantor. Thank you. Thank you, Harry Bonzel, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Harry, look in my eyes. Look in my. I want to ask you something. Look in my eyes. What? Tell me the truth. Did they call your number? Oh. <laughs> Did they? That they missed me by nine. Yeah, years, huh? No. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to say this thing. Here is one numbers game of which we people in America can really be proud. You know that, don't you? <laughs> Harry, in all the rain and everything, what a day I had. What'd you do? I went to the automobile show and are the cars beautiful this year? Such improvements, Harry oh, Bonzel. Yeah. Well, I read about them, Eddie. Say, did you see that new feature on convertibles, the hydraulic top? You just press a button and the top comes off. Oh, there's a much simpler way. All you have to do is to drive to any highway and wait for a woman driver to come at you. Right away, the top comes off, the bumpers come off, the wheels, the whole bit. Oh, but some of the gadgets on the cars are really wonderful, like those electric signals. Signals? What, what kind of signals? Well, when you turn the steering wheel, a light flashes on the back of the car that says, I'm turning right or I'm turning left. Oh, yes. Sir. And for women drivers, it just says, guess what I'm going to do now. <laughs> You know, the 
thing I like about those new cars, Eddie, is, is the brakes. You know, they put the emergency on the left side under the dashboard. Well, everything on the new cars is concealed. You press a button, the lights disappear. You close a door, the running board disappears. And when the guy from the finance company comes around, the whole car disappears. <laughs> oh, yes, those finance companies really mean business. Oh, they do things right. You know those musical horns that go, da, 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 da. Yeah. Well, when you buy a car on time, the finance company installs one of those horns for you, and on the first of each month, the horn goes, don't forget the payments. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Harry, you should see the upholstery on the new package. What? The seats are pure lamb's wool. The seat covers are lamb's wool. The entire lining of the car is lamb's wool. Every time you sit down, the whole business goes, <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've made up my mind to buy a new car, Eddie The thing that sold me was the way they put the gear shift on the steering wheel Oh, that's nothing new, Harry Six years ago, my uncle had a car that had everything on the steering wheel The gear shift, the clutch, the brakes, the motor well, Wait, how could that be? He hit a telegraph pole, the whole thing <laughs> You know, Eddie, I think I'll buy one of those new 1941 models Yeah Then what do you suppose they'll allow me on my car? Your car? You yeah. call that jalopy a car? Why, even Jack Benny's Maxwell does this to it, goes away, goes... <laughs> I understand, I understand that when you turn on the motor, the fan stands still and the car spins around. Is that right, Harry? <laughs> yes, you're, you're right, Eddie. I ought to stop driving that thing. It isn't fair to the pedestrians. Oh, don't worry about them. There's a new thing out called pedestrian pants. They do away with hit-and-run drivers. You see, the lining of these pants is carbon paper. And when a car hits you... All you've got to do is to take off your pants and you've got his license number in black and white. There it is. <laughs> oh, say, uh, oh, say, Bobby Sherwood and Dinah Shaw, you're late, you're late. Well, you know. we've been for a ride in Bobby's new car and it sure was cozy. Boy, did you like that uh, lonely road I picked out? <laughs> yeah. And uh, were you glad when I stopped and suggested we sit in the back seat? <laughs> yeah. Well, you still owe me 15 cents for that last game of rummy. Wait, wait a minute. What goes on here? Bobby, you take a girl out on a lonely road and play rummy? Why, even a kid like Mickey Rooney gets fun out of his new car. He's got an automatic clutch. Well, what's new about that? This one isn't on the car. <laughs> well, Bobby, I I'm afraid you're not the least bit romantic. Oh, really? don't say that, Mr. Canner. Maybe you just didn't have the proper atmosphere. Bobby, can't you picture us on a tropical shore down Argentina way? Playing on the beach? Yeah, it sure sounds swell, Dinah, but you know, I can't go in the water. Well, why not? Well, my bathing suit's got a hole in the knee. <laughs> Bobby, I think our romance might get somewhere if we were down in the tropics. Just you and I, alone. I hear music. I hear a soft guitar. Underneath the pampas moon When you sing a happy tune And you kiss your cares goodbye You'll find your life will begin The very moment you're in Argentina If you're romantic, senor Then you will surely adore Argentina You'll be as gay as can be If you will learn to see, see like a Latin for Mr. Sure as you learn, then you will never return to Manhattan. When you hear Yote Amo, you'll steal a kiss, and then, and then, and then, and then, manana. It's just to let you know that you're gonna meet again. I'll bet an old castanet that you will never forget Argentina. Where there are rumbas and tangos to tickle your spine Moonlight and music and orchids and wine You'll want to stay down Argentina way Argentina. Oh, that was that was fine, Dinah. And now, if you'd yeah, only Mr. Cantor, would you mind stepping out of the way, please? Thank you. 
All right, Miss Shore, look over here. Now, a little to the right. Look, mister, would it be asking too much? Mr. Cantor, will you please step over to one side? And don't let me have to speak to you again. I have pictures to take. Yeah, but I have a show to do. I've got a lot of jokes to tell. Yeah, I've heard them. Yep. <laughs> uh, Miss Shore, uh, are you ready now? Uh, where's that smile? Will this do? Yeah, that's perfect. There we are. There's nothing like an attractive smile to make a pretty girl look prettier. That's what I always say. You do not. Harry Von Zell always says that, don't you, Harry? Well, yes, Eddie, I do, but I say it differently. And better. Much better. Much better. Go on, Harry. <laughs> All right, Eddie. Well, you know how much an attractive smile can add to your charm and your appearance, ladies and gentlemen. But some of you may not realize that unless your gums are firm and healthy, your teeth are seldom at their sparkling best. That is why so many dentists recommend the faithful use of Ipana toothpaste and gum massage. Because Ipana is especially designed not only to clean and brighten teeth, but when used with massage, to help give gums the stimulation they do not get from the soft, well-cooked foods we eat. The exercise they need to help keep them from becoming susceptible to gum trouble. So, ladies and gentlemen, why don't you follow this famous healthful routine? Every time you brush your teeth with Ipana toothpaste, Put a little extra Ipana on your brush or your fingertip and massage it on your gums. In that simple way, ladies and gentlemen, you help bring a new firmness to your gums, a brighter luster to your teeth, and naturally more charm and attractiveness to your smile. So stop at your druggist's tomorrow and get a tube of Ipana for the smile of beauty. You know, Harry, I think it's awfully cute of Bobby Sherwood taking Dinah out in his new car. Oh, I should take my girl out in a wheelbarrow, Mr. huh? Mr. Guffey, of course. I'm glad to see you, Guffey. Where have you been? Fine thing. He lays me off for a year and a half, and he wants to know where I've been. <laughs> I have to be out of work because you're lazy. Look, I'm not lazy, Guffey. I'm working on the radio now, and I'm going to Hollywood to make another picture. You're going to make another picture? Yeah. Won't give up, huh? <laughs> You don't understand, Guffey. I'm glad you're here. Why didn't you come to see me sooner? Sure. A lot you'd care if I got shot climbing over the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Guffey, tell me you've been in jail? You don't think they cut my hair this close at Princeton? <laughs> my Guffey. Who, who said anything about your hair? I never mentioned it. Oh, there's nothing up here to talk about, huh? <laughs> Go on, tell them. Tell the world. Tell everybody I'm bald. Start a rumor. Yep. <laughs> Don't be silly, Guffy. I wouldn't tell that to a soul. Oh, you're ashamed of my head, huh? <laughs> What's wrong with a man being bald? Nothing, Guffy. You've got one of the finest-looking heads I've ever seen. Oh, sure. You'd like to see it hanging on the wall in your trophy room. No, I, I would not. Oh, hanging's too good for me. Oh, no. Huh? Will you take it easy, Guffy? I'm your friend. Why, I'm probably the only one in the world who likes you. You gotta be the exception. <laughs> if you don't stop aggravating me, I'm gonna go home. Oh, home. I can't go with you. You're ashamed to let me see your house. Who's ashamed? Eh? Who? I've got a beautiful house. Everything brand new. Why, it's so clean, you can eat right off the floor. Too cheap to buy plates, huh? Get away from me. <laughs> I'm cheap. I'm cheap. Why, I've got silver plates, gold plates, platinum plates. Capitalist, poo! <laughs> go on, go on, tell the world. Show off your wealth to everybody. I'll bet you wouldn't give me a nickel to buy a cup of coffee. That isn't true. Here, Guppy, here's a nickel for a cup of coffee. Oh, nothing to dunk with it, huh? Why not? Here, here is a dollar. Buy anything you like to dunk with. Dunk to your heart's content. Dunk as much as you want. Sure, I should go in up to my elbow, huh? Ruin my wristwatch. What does he want? You'd like to call me Sloppy Guffy. No, Guffy, you are not sloppy. You're not a jailbird. You're not bald. You're just like I am. Exactly like I am. How do you like that? Now I'm a jerk. Yep. Wait a minute. I don't know what's happening to you. Well, I can remember the time when you were able to cope with Guffy. Yeah. Father time must be catching up with you. What is this father time stuff? Will you stop with that father time? Why, I'm as young as Rooney. Mickey or Pat? Yep. Wait a minute. <laughs> Some funny stuff. Encourage him. An announcer's getting left. <laughs> Look here, Mr. Bonzel. I'm tired of being insulted around here. Everybody picking on me with that old man stuff. I'll show you. I'll show all of you. 
I'm quitting this program. Oh, well, no, 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 Eddie, don't be silly. We're just ribbing you. Everybody around here likes you very much. They do? Certainly. They've always yeah. liked you. When are you quitting? <laughs> That's the last straw. Listen, everybody. Dinah, Bobby Bonzel, Guffy, sponsor, NBC. I'm quitting this program. And I'm leaving right now. And when I walk through this door, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back when I walk through this door. You hear me, everybody? I'm quitting this program! Well, maybe I have been a bit hasty. <laughs> it's a lucky thing you spoke up when you did, Vonzell. Spoke up? I, I didn't say anything. Don't did beg it? me. I'll stay. I'll stay. I'll even forgive you for calling me an old man. I won't even move away from this microphone. Too weak to walk over to the door, huh? Get, away. <laughs> Get out of here, Guffy. I'm staying, Harry. But not because of you. It's because of my fans, my public. I can't let them down. You see what I mean? Mr. Cantor. Yes? I never enjoyed your program as much as I did last Wednesday. What are you talking about? I wasn't on the air last Wednesday. I never enjoyed your program <laughs> as much as I did last Wednesday. <laughs> Say, Eddie, how did it happen that the president took your place on the air last week? Oh, it was very simple. He asked my permission. He called me on the phone and sang to me. Well, what did he sing? He sang, Your time is my time. <laughs> my time. Oh, well, it, it was nice of him to ask your permission. Anyway. Yes, and since he took over my job on the radio last week, I think it's only fair that I take over his job of running the country this week. What do you think? Huh? Wait a minute. I don't... Uh, what do you know about running a country? Oh, Harry, with my cabinet, I couldn't miss. Right away, I appoint Jack Benny, my secretary of the treasury. Jack Benny, secretary of the treasury? Anybody gets a nickel out of him, it's a miracle, I'm telling you. <laughs> And if that isn't enough, I'll appoint Mr. Guffey minister without portfolio. How do you like that? A big country like this, too cheap to buy me a briefcase. Get away from me. Get me. Let's not waste any time. Harry. Yes. Bobby Sherwood. Yeah. Dinah. Yes, sir. Mr. Guffey. Uh? Are you all ready to come with me to the White House? Yeah. Then come on, let's go. Gotta pack my grip, gonna take a little trip, go to Pennsylvania Station, gotta make a reservation, take the 10 o'clock sleeper, gonna ride all night. So long, everybody. Don't forget to write. Red cap, sir, is you looking for a quarter? Yeah, take the bag, boy. Here's a tip, a quarter. Track 29, sir. What's your destination? Washington, D.C., the capital of the nation. I'm on my way to Washington. I'll take the whole gang along. We'll run the country with song. And when we get to Washington, my administration will pass legislation inviting the nation to our celebration. From the coast of Maine to the Rio Grande, we'll sing to the swing of a big brass band. Heisel Cats and the Hoy Polloi, Texas, Oregon, Illinois. From Alabama to Boulder Dam, we'll shout the praises of Uncle Sam. We're on our way to Washington. We'll bring a new kind of thrill to good old Capitol Hill. We're on our way to Washington. When I become the president, we're really gonna play some. We'll all roll eggs on the White House lawn, and I might even lay some. It won't be the first time. <laughs> we're on our way to is the White House. Did we get here quickly? Have yes. You? Harry, isn't it beautiful? Over here is the Orchid Dining Hall. Look, look at the inscription on the wall in letters of gold. Oh. Liberty and justice for all. The greatest figures in American history have dined here. What does that other sign say there? Watch your hat and coat. <laughs> well, Eddie, aren't there any famous paintings around here? Oh, yes, in the library. Didn't you see them? No. And Harry, some people have no respect for art. You know that painting of the Three Musketeers? Yeah. Well, somebody painted a mustache on the fellow in the middle. Well, Eddie, the musketeer in the middle is supposed to have a mustache. For heaven's sake, don't tell anybody I rubbed it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, look here. Before you get into any more mischief, we'd better find out where your offices are. I'll ask somebody. Say, say, mister. Mister, where are the offices of the chief executive? Why, who are you? The president of the United States. Who are you? I'm Dorothy L'Amour. Kiss me. Get away from me. <laughs> Eddie. Is that Dorothy L'Amour? No, no, I couldn't tell with the thing. Look, hey, look. Come on. Look, here's your office. President oh. Cantor, will you step in? Yes, come in. 
Oh, say, isn't this something? Well, Chief, what's going to be your first official act? Harry, I'm going to wipe out the greatest menace now confronting the people of these United States. Double features. <laughs> it's so silly. One theater I saw had a big sign outside that says, Tonight, 40 little mothers. Dr. Kildare goes home. <laughs> I actually saw it, Harry. It was up in the electric sign. Gee, what do I do now? The phone bell is ringing. I've got 12 different phones on the desk, and I don't know which one to pick up. <laughs> Let's see. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Hello? Who's calling? This is Mo. <laughs> hey, Eddie, that, that is Parks Commissioner Mo McGonagall. President Cantor, it is my unpleasant duty to report that 20 benches were broken in Central Park last Saturday night. 20 broken benches, eh? Hmm, I guess the fleet's in. <laughs> Dinah? Yes, sir. Take a letter to the Secretary of the Navy. Right away, sir. Here, sir. Last Saturday night in Central Park, 20 benches were broken during necking maneuvers. <clears throat> We'd either have to get stronger benches in the park or weaker sailors in the Navy. <laughs> now I'd better go over to the FBI and report what I have to... Come in, come in. Come... Uh, excuse me, Mr. President. I'm Mrs. Grumps, your next-door neighbor. Yeah. May I borrow a cup of sugar? Well, I don't know. I'll have to take it up with the Senate. But why all this fuss over a measly cup of sugar? I saw a senator come in here yesterday and get an appropriation for a million dollars. Is that sugar? Brother, it ain't hay! <laughs> <laughs> hey, Eddie, was that Dorothy Lamore? No, no, not no. no. <laughs> Yes? The Senate is in session now, and they may be discussing some important issues. Thank you, Dinah. I better turn on this loudspeaker and listen in. Mr. Chairman. Chair recognizes the senator from the state of Methel Park. <laughs> I wish to introduce a bill which, if passed, will shake the very foundations of the American home. Resolved that the legal resident and occupant of the White House hereafter be allowed to lend, lease, entrust, or give to his neighbor, Mrs. Grumps, one measly cup of sugar. Uh, the boys are really working. Oh, Mr. Chairman, I protest most strongly against the passage of this bill. Why should the White House give this woman a cup of sugar? Is it necessary? Is it constitutional? Is it granulated? <laughs> what if it is granulated? Say she may not like it. If she doesn't like it, she can lump it. <laughs> One moment, Mr. Chairman. Let us examine the sugar question thoroughly. Now, sugar is sweet, and so are blueberry pies. Now, where do blueberry pies come from? Blueberry Hill, and where does blueberry hill come from? From Bobby Sherwood playing the number of the same name. Play Bobby. <laughs> Bobby Sherwood's orchestra for the next inaugural ball? Excuse me, President Cantor. I've come to see you about the draft. The draft, my dear young man. The draft is all over. Sure, all over the house. 
Doors opening, windows opening. Oh, now I see what you mean. Do open doors and windows make you nervous? No, but drafts give me a cold in the head. And when I get a cold, it hangs on for days. Why is that? Why is that? So I can teach you tricks and make a pet out of it. Why does anyone get a cold in the head? I, I wouldn't know, but maybe maybe if you were to get after a cold at its very beginning, it wouldn't hang on so long, huh? Sure, sure, but get after it with what, for instance? Well, I'd say salopathica, because so many doctors say the same thing. Wouldn't you, Harry? Yes, Eddie, I would. And as a matter of record, ladies and gentlemen, in a recent impartial survey among physicians conducted by leading medical journals, it was found that seven out of ten physicians recommend a saline laxative when treating a cold. And Sal Hepatica, we believe, is America's outstanding saline laxative. There are two very good reasons for this, which you can check with your own doctor. First, as a laxative, Sal Hepatica acts quickly, yet it is exceptionally gentle. And since the progress of a cold is fast, the speed of Sal Hepatica is especially important in fighting it. Second, this famous saline also helps counteract the excess gastric acidity that so often accompanies a cold. So, ladies and gentlemen, to help fight your colds faster, don't delay. Get a bottle of gentle, quick-acting Sal Hepatica at any drugstore. Yes? Gee, Mr. Cantor, is it true that you're the president now? That's right, Bobby. And you have the power to do anything you want? Anything! Boy, what a chance to repeal prohibition. <laughs> Bobby, they did repeal prohibition. They did? You mean there's no more prohibition? That's right, no more prohibition. Yippee! <laughs> oh, stop, Bobby. Look, Harry, well, I can see there's too much here for one man to handle. I'm going to swear you and Bobby Sherwood in as my assistants. Raise your right hands. Do you solemnly swear to be forever faithful to the office which I've entrusted you with? I do. I do. I now pronounce you man and wife. Two dollars. <laughs> no. What am I saying? What am I... Hello, Mr. President. Yeah, that's right. We're having a little trouble down here with the $10 bills. Yeah. Is Hamilton's hair parted on the right side? <laughs> uh, is there an eagle on the back of the bill? And, uh, oh yeah, do all the serial numbers start with B? That's exactly correct. Oh, thanks. Uh, wait a minute, who is this? Oh, just a counterfeiter. <laughs> a counterfeiter? Do you know they can put you in Alcatraz for that? What do you think I'm calling from, the store club? <laughs> Hey, Eddie, was that Dorothy Lamore? No, no, no. Quick, Harry, turn on that loudspeaker. It's time for me to check up on the Senate again. Okay, here we go. Gentlemen, why should the White House give Mrs. Grumps a cup of sugar? Why should the White House give Mrs. Grumps a cup of sugar? Why? Can anyone answer that? Eight dollars in the Senate encyclopedias to the Senate of the ball. <laughs> Before we make this momentous decision, a decision that will affect the lives of... Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt the debate in the Senate to bring you an announcement of national importance. Results of the Fifth and Empire. <laughs> Wait a minute, you can't turn it off, Eddie. You've, you've got to get the Senate report on Mrs. Grump's sugar. Oh, yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen... A decision has just been reached by the Senate in regards to Mrs. Grump's sugar. We have decided to let Mrs. Grumps have her lumps. Harry, we must let Mrs. Grumps know. Quick, yeah, I'll get the window. Yoo-hoo, Mrs. Grumps! Okay, shoot the grief to me, Chief. <laughs> Mrs. Grumps, the Senate has decided you can have that cup of sugar. Oh, never mind now, the coffee's cold. <laughs> How do you like that? Congress gives me the sugar, and now Mrs. Grumps trumps the lumps. That makes us two mugwumps chumps. Yeah, it gives me the jumps. Yeah, but I'd rather be two mugwumps chumps with the jumps than down in the dumps doing bumps with the mumps. <laughs> I think you've got something there, Eddie, but who's going to pay for the sugar? A resourceful president like me knows all the answers. Dinah, take a letter. Yes, sir. Ready for dictation. To the people of the USA, I send this proclamation. Shoot! Let's put a tax on the beautiful girls Place an assessment on love We can tax the benches where lovers embrace We'll make each couple foot the bill for their sparking space Let's charge a fee for the thrill of a kiss Charge for the moonlight above 
And when we start collecting from the beautiful vamps, I want to be the guy who goes around with the stamps. Oh, let's put a tax on the beautiful girls, and we'll balance up the budget with love. If I thought Bobby Sherwood would consider romance, I'd gladly pay my taxes up a year in advance. Dinah. Oh, let's put a tax on the beautiful girls, and we'll balance up the budget with love. Do showgirl girls get a discount if they promptly remit? Yes, any striptease dancer can take off quite a bit. Oh. Let's put a tax on the beautiful girls, and we'll balance up the budget. And the body will be grudged, cause we'll balance up the budget. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, I'd love to remain in Washington. I'd love to be the president. I'd love to hang up my hat in the White House. But I can't do that. Because you see, most of all, I love to spend one day with you as friend to friend. I'm sorry it's true. Good night. Join us again next Wednesday, won't you? And in the meantime, remember the two products which make these Wednesday evenings together possible. Ipana for the smile of beauty, Sal Hepatica for the smile of health. Ipana, Sal Hepatica. Stay tuned to this station for another thrilling installment of Mr. District Attorney, which follows immediately. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... <coughs> I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What do you mean, wait in the parking lot? I demand to be heard. All right, madam, wait a moment. Miss Universe contest, indeed. I got a few things I'd like to say about that, Buster. All right, look, I do not agree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. So when do I get to say it? Will you have a seat? Hit it, Billy. This is the third show of the series of a brand new radio series. From Hollywood, Greenbinder Swimpin presents the Stan Freeberg Show. With the music of Billy Mayer. What's the songs of Peggy Taylor with Doss Butler, June Foray, Peter Leeds, and the Judd Conlon Rhythm Air. You may not find us on your TV, because in case you did not know, we're being brought to you on, brought to you on, brought to you on our ADI Stan Freeberg. Uh-huh. See, actually, I expect a little more of an ovation, a little more of a tribute than that, uh, mm -hmm. Fred. Yeah. That sounded kind of like a seal. Uh, well, <laughs> well, just a moment, I'll check with the sound man. Hey, Charlie, that a seal? Yeah, it was a seal. <laughs> oh, come on, you folks in the studio audience. 
Let the people at home know there's somebody here beside one miserable seal. Thank you. That's a little more like it. I just wanted CBS Radio to know that I have many fans among the flippered folk. After all, uh, CBS is investing quite a chunk of money in my show. I mean, when you consider that they could have taken the same money and bought the screen rights to the Santa Monica phone directory, <laughs> a 300-page paper on the underlying significance of the geophysical year by Jane Mansfield, <laughs> and a pretty good-sized chicken ranch in Pacoima, why, uh, it makes a man feel pretty humble. Matter of fact, I feel so humble I can hardly walk. <laughs> Which reminds me, a funny thing happened to me on the way to the show. You folks at home may... Us folks at home. Get a load of that guy. Oh, Sylvan, I was listening to that. They should have bought the chicken ranch. I was trying to listen to that. And I was trying to read Orphan Annie. Hey, get a load of that mountain lion. I'd like you to see... get a load of Freebird. Will you turn him on, Sylvan? Okay, okay. Guy says alligator. I thought you said bagpipe. <laughs> With this, he gets laughed. Sylvan, you didn't hear the whole joke. Alligator, I thought you said bagpipe, too. <laughs> Got to remember to try that on the boys. Turn him back on, Sylvan. We're probably missing something. All right. Will you relax, Velma? We've only had him off for 11 seconds. Now, what could he do in 11 seconds? Inside of the home, We hope you enjoyed our capsule version of Oklahoma. <laughs> Drop us a car and let us know if you think it suffered in the editing. Come on, snap it up. When are you going to get around to me? All right, all right. Now, madam, what is your problem again? You had a big contest here, right, Miss Universe? That is true. However, I'm afraid it's over now. You're telling me it's over. I spent two weeks trying to get in that lousy Long Beach lineup. <laughs> and they wouldn't pay you any mind, eh? No mind at all. You've got some manners in what you call your world. Yes, well, just, uh, where are you from? I mean, what manner of... Uh... I am Miss Jupiter. I've chosen out of 10,000 girls on our planet. Miss Jupiter? Why, that's amazing. Why? Look, the contest was called Miss Universe, right? Right. So how come they wouldn't let me in? Well, you got a point there. That's my antenna. <laughs> oh, so it is, yeah. Look, uh, Miss Jupiter, uh, how did you get here? I flew my saucer down. What do you think? Yes, I see it there. Why don't you climb all the way out of it? I have climbed all the way out of it. I parked it outside. Yes, but those wheels. What about those wheels? Those wheels, as you so indelicately put it, happen to be my best feature. Some girls got curly antennas. Other girls got cute suction cups. I got shapely wheels. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're pretty shapely at that. <laughs> you know it, they're shapely. <laughs> I see you eyeing them. Yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, they wouldn't let you in the Miss Universe contest, eh? That's a shame. Discrimination is what it is. If you're going to run a Miss World contest, run a Miss World contest. If you're going to run a Miss Universe contest, shape up. Let's be tolerant of all planets. <laughs> Nicely put. But look, Miss Jupiter... You can call me Zuzu, honey. All right, look, Zuzu, honey. Perhaps they found out you were married. Yeah, know? but I ain't married and I'm over 18. The least I could do was get a couple of modeling jobs like Leona Gage. Well, I'm just wondering if your height had anything to do with your being ruled out. How tall are you? Two foot one. <laughs> In high wheels. <laughs> Think that's too tall? No, I, I had a mind the other way around. Well, it's tall by Jupiter standards, buddy. <laughs> and how about them measurements, huh? <laughs> yeah, how about them measurements? What are they? 39, 39, 39. <laughs> what a You can count on me. <laughs> Believe me. Well, look, Zuzu, we'll try and get you a couple modeling jobs. Oh, get me a couple, will you? 
Okay, I'll give him a buzz over at Fantasy and Science Fiction. Oh, gee, I certainly appreciate that. Well, from week to week in this spot, as you know, we will be bringing you somewhat uh, unusual elements, including the truth about tree toads, a build-it-yourself Great Wall of China kit, <laughs> and a child psychologist only four years old. Tonight, however, we take you through the magic of radio to romantic Laguna Beach, where the Skin Divers Mandolin Club is holding their annual festival. Here we are in Laguna. Can you hold down the surf, please? Thank you. Here we are in Laguna. This is a sight to behold. Just picture it, ladies and gentlemen. On this beautiful white beach are gathered over a thousand skin divers in their rubber suits that look for all the world like shiny, long, black underwear. <laughs> this is truly a scene. This is the moment, ladies and gentlemen, we've been waiting for. Just imagine it. On that whistle, a thousand snorkels were slurped into place. <laughs> now the mandolins are held over the heads of the skin divers. Their picks are ready. And now that romantic moment when with swim fins flapping, a thousand skin divers like a black rubber river strum their way into the surf and quietly slip into the golden sunset of the blue Pacific. Over the surging of the surf, we hear the gentle picking of their mandolins and the hum of a thousand snorkels. Yes, it's time again for their 2,600-mile swim or their annual surprise visit to serenade our friends at lovely Waikiki Beach. In the beautiful Hawaiian Islands, where the temperature never changes. The temperature in Olahai is 78, in Kahulau, 78, and Liliokalani, 79. And as the last mandolin strums into the sunset, we say, Arrivederci, frogmen, Arrivederci. And good night, Harry Owens, wherever you are. <laughs> Peggy, come on out here. Peggy Taylor, ladies and gentlemen. Well, how did you like the Skin Divers Mandolin Club, Peggy? Oh, did you enjoy that? fine, Stan. It's mm -hmm. fine. Do you know who invented the first diving suit? No. Do you? Why, yes. It was Leonard Norcross of Dixville, Maine, and he patented it on June 14, 1834, patent number 7644W90. Oh, of course. Please. What's the matter with me forgetting anything like that? Sakes. <laughs> By the way, where did you get that fascinating bit of information? Oh, uh, I get around, Stanley. <laughs> like me to sing there? Yeah, I'd like that. Is Judd Conlon going to sing with you? Yes, he and five others. All that and Billy May, too? Yes. Gee, it's spectacular. Sing, dear. <laughs> I 
like a gambler's lucky streak. When we're out together dancing cheek to cheek. Oh, I love to climb a mountain and to reach the highest peak. But I don't enjoy it half as much as dancing cheek to cheek. Oh, I love to go out fishing in a river or a creek. But I don't enjoy it half as much as dancing cheek to cheek. Oh, dance with me. I want my arms about you. When we're out together dancing cheek to cheek So let's stay out all night and dance it up Cheek to cheek Cheek to cheek Being ever faithful to the policy that the Freebird Show goes everything, sees anywhere, and does anyone, we join field man Leroy Straddle high in a tree on the banks of justly famous Lake Wakamakatuckapek in northeastern Oregon. Take it away, Leroy Straddle. <laughs> Thank you. This is Leroy Straddle here, high in a tree that hangs over the justly famous Lake Wagamagatagatagapek in northeastern Oregon. My, we're pretty high up here today, believe you me. And with me is Mrs. Hagmeyer Prill, who you may remember, I'm sure, a sculptress and nature lover. Well, I'm not here with you. I was here before you came. In a manner of speaking, you are here with me or I am here with you. It does not matter. Well, it does to me. All I'm trying to say is... Let's belay the hogwash and get on with it. Yes, certainly, certainly. Well, Mrs. Prill is wearing a most... Interesting uh, costume, I might just add. Where did you get that interesting costume stuff? Well, I just noticed... Well, all the members of the club wear the same thing when we're in the field. Midi blouses and bloomers are most practical. And uh, what is the name of your club again? The Upward and Onward Girls. The Upward and Onward Girls, eh? Yes, the Upward and Onward Girls, eh? Do you want to make anything out of it? No, indeed. No, indeed, I don't. I think that's just fine. Oh, hush now, listen... That's the yellow-bellied sapsucker. <laughs> well, you could have fooled me. <laughs> yes. Now, you all wear the midi blouses and bloomers, is that correct? Yes, all except Alice Baumgarten. She lives down the street from me, you know. No, I didn't know that. Well, she does. She's a lovely girl. I'm sure she is. We have to move right along <laughs> yes, now. Well, anyway, Alice wears shorts. I don't like to say it, but she's one of those girls who thinks she's got good-looking legs. And does she? Young man, I didn't climb all the way up this tree to discuss Alice Baumgarten's legs. <laughs> well, I'm sure that we didn't climb up to discuss the legs. Can't you hear it, you idiot? Can I hear what? The tree toad. You mean that group, group? That's a tree toad? Yes, that is a tree toad or a tree frog. <laughs> oh, a very interesting child of nature it is. Unquestionably. Could you tell us more? Well, it's one of the tailless amphibia that Mother Nature's adapted to tree living. You see, the tips of its tiny fingers and toes are fitted with weird ether bits that adhere to the bark of the tree by the rapid and intense pressure of the distal phalanx. That's fascinating. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed it is. <laughs> That's fascinating. <laughs> With those discs, the little darlings can go hippity-skippity all over the tree. Do you know what this is, Mrs. Pratt? No, Mrs. Prill, what is it? The mating season. I'm sorry, Mrs. Prill, but I am engaged to a lovely girl. <laughs> I'm not talking about you, you clockhead. Oh. I'm speaking about tree frogs. Oh, pardon me, pardon me. Yes. Well, I was just going to move out on this limb and see if I can find where little mother froggy has laid her eggs. Yes, well, I wouldn't go too far out you on see, the limb. The mother tree frog lays her eggs on a leaf that overhangs the water. Those are the filmadusai, of course. 
Of course. Be a little careful there, Mrs. Prill. And when eggs hatch, the teeny weeny little tadpoles drop into the water where they spend their larval life. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Oh! Interesting and moist, I'm sure. So while Mrs. Krill is getting a first-hand look at the larval life of the tree toad, it's back to Hollywood. <laughs> well, so much for nature study. Now we come to the variety portion of our program. Oh, what's that going to be, Sam? You like acrobats, Peggy? Oh, yes, I sure do. Good. At this time, I'd like to present for the first time on radio... The Zazaloff family. Zazaloff? What nationality is that? Swiss. This way we don't offend anyone. Good. After 11 times on the Ed Sullivan Show, and what with the circus out of business, there was no plate sales for them to go. Ladies and gentlemen, the Zazaloff family! Honest, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I wish you could see this. They're building a human pyramid of bodies. Oh, there he is up in the air! Look at that! He's... Hanging by one. Now, oh, wonderful. He's on the feet of board now. Wearing purple shorts. And, oh, there he goes. And being suspended by the... How do you like that guy? Acrobats on radio. I rather enjoyed it, Sylvan. Velma, maybe you're not well. Do you mind if I hear the Freebird program? Oh, Velma. Come on. We probably missed his version of My Fair Lady or something. Yeah, that'll be the day. We probably missed some interesting thing like the discussion on projected hoe handle production for fiscal year 56-57. Don't be ridiculous. Turn him on. Oh, all right. Certainly want to thank you, Mr. Armstead Fragg, for... Coming up here and giving us your views on projected hoe handle production for fiscal year 56-57. Oh, thank you, Mr. Freebird. The pleasure was mine. Many of you who heard our historical sketch on Barbara Fritchie may be asking yourselves rather indignantly where we got our information. Well, I'll tell you where we got our information from our historical research man, Mr. Robert E. Tainter. Well, uh, Mr. Tainter... Uh, Call me Bob, Stan. Well, Bob, uh, can you give us a little of your background? Yeah, well, Stan, I'm a research specialist. I started out on the editorial staff of one of America's leading publications. And that was? Confidential. <laughs> and are you still uh, with them? No. They had no guts. <laughs> I... You really couldn't work for a magazine that just pussyfoots around. <laughs> when I get a story, I want it printed. Well, I admire a man of conviction. And by the way, have you had many? <laughs> the longest was 30 days. Oh. Well, uh, tell us, uh, Bob, uh, what did you do before Confidential? I worked with the police department. Oh. <laughs> I see a detective? No, stool pigeon stand. <laughs> I was on regular salary. Mm-hmm. A sort of civil service snitch, as it were. Quite, yes. Well, uh, how did you happen to get into historical expose? Well, I, I found there was a wealth of dirty linen in the history hamper. Nicely put. Well, you have a rather refreshing point of view, Mr. Tainter. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah. I know. <clears throat> well, some people, you know, they look at the idols. I look at the clay feet. An interesting hobby. Yeah. I got a collection of play feet that did knock your hat off. I'll bet. Well, tell me, uh, what historical illusion are you about to destroy for us this evening? Uh, tonight, Stan, I have picked Custer's Last Stand. Oh-oh. Perhaps you'd better come back uh, some no, other no, look, time. No, no, no. It's Rob. not General Custer himself. I mean, I'm still working on him. Yes, I know, but... but he uh, has his colonel, you see. Yeah, so, I really listen, rather not hear please, about it. Stan, please, listen. Come well, in, Stan. Yeah, all right, what? General Custer. What? Yes, and then what? Oh, who, who, who goes there? 
Put down that rifle, you idiot. It's me. Oh, gee, Colonel, sir, it's you. I, I didn't recognize you in the dark. Yeah. Did you have a hard ride, sir? Of course I had a hard ride. Why do you think my horse is all covered with lather? Well, I didn't know. I thought maybe you were going to shave him. <laughs> all right, never mind. Come in my tent. Uh, yes, sir. Oh, by the way, sir, did you ride all the way to Little Bighorn? Yes. Did you see any Indians? Uh, yeah, I I saw a couple, yes. Just a couple? Well, there might have been a half a dozen or so. I I really didn't count them. Uh, look, uh, Jenkins, uh, stand up next to me back to back, will you? Okay, sir. Mm-hmm. A hair shorter. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll have to do... Here, my boy, slip into my coat. Me put your coat on, Colonel? Keep your voice down. Keep oh. your voice down. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. You close that tent flap and don't slam it. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. Put on my boots. Yes, sir. Oh. <laughs> hey, hey, this is sure fun, Colonel. I always wanted to dress up like an officer. Mm-hmm. How's the boots? Well, they, they, they feel pretty big. A big, are they? Have you got the same thing in a nine-and-a-half triple-A? <laughs> no, I'm pretty happy. Here, drop these marbles in them. Oh. You'll appear taller as well. Uh, okay, Colonel. Uh, here's my hat. And here, wear my sword. Oh, Colonel, sir, I couldn't put on your sword. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. Hurry it up, please. Gee, do you mind if I primp a little in, in front of your mirror? No, I guess not, but be quick about it. Oh, Hurry boy. up. Attention! Straighten up that line, man. Hey, 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 hey quiet. What's my voice what? now? Oh, oh. Hey, Colonel. Hey, Colonel, so how come you're putting on that Indian headdress and, and that war paint? Well, I, it's a little masquerade I'm going to. <laughs> Kind of a practical joke I'm playing on General Custer. <laughs> oh, I love jokes. Gee, when he sees me in your suit, he'll think I'm you, huh? <laughs> I'm banking on that. <laughs> Gee, Colonel, sir, you look for all the world like a real American Indian. Ugh. Hey, that's rich, sir. That's oh, your voice. Let's keep your Ooh, voice down. Oh, my voice down. Oh, yeah. All right, now hurry up. Say, Colonel, sir, what do I tell General Custer if he asked me if I saw any Indians to the west? Tell him anything you want. And by the way, Jenkins, which way is east? Uh, which? Uh, that way, that, I think. That way right there. All right. Uh, yes, Fine. Sir. Thank you. I say, I'll thank you uh, not to tell the General about our little secret. It's, uh... It's a better joke that way. Oh, you can count on me, sir. Hey, Colonel, sir, I think I hear Indians on a warpath. Is that part of the joke, too? Uh, in a manner of speaking, yes. <clears throat> Quickly, is your horse saddled up? Uh, yes, sir, it's right outside. All right, then, I'm off. Uh, but, Colonel, sir, what horse will I ride? Jenkins, I'm going to give you my very own horse. You can ride right next to General Custer. Ah, gee, Colonel, I couldn't take that honor away from you. Jenkins, be my guest. Colonel, come quickly. We're under attack. Hey, gosh, sir. <clears throat> General Custis here. Um, there on all sides of us, Colonel. In fact, I could have sworn I just saw an Indian riding away from your tent. <clears throat> you don't say so, General. Oh, I'm losing my mind. Quickly, quickly, get on your horse, Colonel. There's no time to lose. Look at them. There must be 10,000 Indians. To arms, man! <laughs> April Fool, General Custis. It's just a big Indian masquerade. The joke's on you. <laughs> that one was a little cold, eh? Gee, aren't we having fun, General Custer? This is the best Indian masquerade I was ever at. <laughs> Gee, Mr. Tainter, are you sure that's the way it happened? And take it from me. Yeah. Well, it wasn't much of a masquerade. No, that wasn't quite the word. Quite no. the word, no. Well, uh, how do you happen to know this story? Well, because the colonel who rode to the east on Jenkins' horse was my grandfather. Amazing. And what was his name? He never told me. 
He was too ashamed. <laughs> Understandable. And that Indian war bonnet you're holding in your hand, is that the very one he wore? Yes, Dan. It's a family heirloom. Those feathers, are they eagle? No, Stan. Chicken. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, we've received so many cards and letters uh, congratulating us on the fable we did on our first show two weeks ago that we have been truly overwhelmed here at CBS. From a personal standpoint, I am deeply grateful and delighted that you enjoyed Incident at Los Verosis. We have another such fable planned in the immediate future. And, oh, yes, to the Nevada Chamber of Commerce, thanks so much for the do-it-yourself hangman's noose kit. <laughs> you really shouldn't have. So until next week, then, this is Stan Freeberg saying thanks for listening, God bless you, and good night. Stan Freeberg's show is produced in Hollywood by Pete Barnum and is written by Stan Freeberg and Pete Barnum with original songs by Stan Freeberg. Featuring the music of Billy May, Judd Conlon for the mayor, and the songs of Peggy Taylor. The Frost Butler, Peter Lee, and June Foray. Also in the cast were Virginia Gregg and her bike run. Bud Sewell speaking. Well, how did you like the Stan Freeberg show? Uh, you can't go by me. <laughs> Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for 